You're listening to the Holy Hot Mess Mom podcast. I'm Heather, and I like to treat this podcast like we're just old friends sitting around in our jam jams with no makeup, a messy bun, and probably some sort of bodily fluid on our shirt from a child. In this show, we chat about homemaking, simplifying mommyhood, Jesus, and everything in between. This is a place where we embrace that life can sometimes be a crazy, beautiful, hilarious mess. I want to give you the encouragement, support, and some practical tips to help you thrive, even when some days you might feel like you're riding the Holy Hot Mess Express. So grab Grab a cup of coffee or wine if it's been one of those days. Relax. Let's chat. Okay. Okay. Now we're recording. So I'm trying to record into a different software. Not that anybody needs to know this, but I'm a one woman show and I'm learning all of this as I go. And here we go. I am attempting to record this directly into the editing software and it's proving kind of difficult because my new computer only has one input. So I have like this micro USB input over here and I can either plug in my microphone or my external hard drive. I can't do both at the same time. So I'm guessing I probably need some sort of contraption that I can plug into this one hole and will allow me to plug multiple USBs into it. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways, if somebody knows (laughs) how technical, I'm pretty good with technical things, but like this is a lot because it's, you know, I'm trying to do a YouTube channel and a podcast and run a photography business and a blog and a ministry and all those things because I don't have enough crap on my plate. So today I want to talk about something that has been like tugging at my interest for a while and I didn't really know much about it. And it's funny because when my friends were telling me, you got to do this, you and your husband have to do this thing. It sounded very mystical. Like it sounded like it felt like every time they were talking to me about it, like they couldn't actually explain what this thing was. And because they couldn't explain it, I, I didn't understand why they all thought it was so awesome. So the thing I'm talking about is domestic church. Domestic church And I mean, the overall idea of domestic church is that, you know, church does not exist only on Sundays in a building at mass. Like we as parents are supposed to make the home a church and to raise up body of believers. And I thought, oh, that's great. And then my friend started talking about these promises you make and like couples dialogue, tent of meeting, like all these terms. I'm like, what is this cold? Like it sounded very odd. So we moved here. Oh, you know what? Actually, before we even moved here, my friend Amy had like sent me a Facebook message about it. We were in New York and she's like, you got to look up this domestic church thing. We just started it. They didn't have it anywhere near us in New York. And so now that we're in Louisiana, you know, we have all these friends that are in a domestic church circle, which is like a group of couples. And I was like, this sounds like a cult. Everybody's saying, you guys got to do it. You guys got to do it. Now, disclaimer, remember my husband's not Catholic. So... (laughs) me pitching, hey, let's join this Catholic cult circle. It's not a cult, but you know, I'm just being funny. But anyways, was a little like he was taken aback by it. And I always joke and say that he's more Catholic than he is anything else. He knows doctrine and dogma and Catholic theology, Mariology, probably better (laughs) than most cradle Catholics because, oh man, my sound is on. Sorry guys, ding. He knows about all these things. He just is not a convert. One of my twins was up at five o'clock this morning. Thanks, molars. So here I am at 926 in the morning, yawning my face off. 
ever since like January, I've been looking to go on this retreat. So you can't be a part of this domestic church, this exclusive domestic church until you go on an evangelization retreat. And I had been looking for one. They're like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come back Sunday kind of thing. And I kept thinking, this sounds great, but what am I going to do with my kids? You know, I don't live anywhere near family. It's not like I can just dump them off on family. Well, our friends that are in domestic church offered to keep our children because they legitimately said, we love you guys and we care about your marriage and, you know, we want you guys to do this, which is like, people are awesome. You just got to find the people, you know? I've been trying to book one of these retreats and it was like $410, I think, for the whole week. It includes all your food, all your lodging, everything. In retrospect, totally worth it. Now, we couldn't because my husband was in flight school still. He was like requalifying. And so we couldn't take, we couldn't take a, you know, a little trip away. And so finally there was one, I think it was two and a half hours away in South Louisiana. And I booked it. I paid the hundred dollar deposit. I booked it. And I kind of told him like, hey, take these days off work because we're going on a retreat. So he obliged. And then a few days before we went, he was like, what are we doing exactly? And who's keeping our kids? So I was like, oh, we're going to that cult thing. I didn't say cult thing, but you know, he was like, okay, whatever. Like kid-free weekend with my wife. Cool. So we drive down there and I'm um, nervous because I have recently, and I say recently in the past three three years. It'll be three years start of Advent. I guess it's been more than three years, but really developing my love, appreciation, um, reverence for the Eucharist and Jesus's true real presence in it. And so my poor husband has been receiving the Eucharist with me since, since we've met, you know, we've, We've been going to Catholic church with each other since we started dating, um, which was very sporadic. It was kind of, do we want to go today? But we would both go up and we would both receive communion. And I didn't see a problem with that. So we come back for, he comes back from deployment after Afghanistan. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, you can't do that. And he's like, what do you mean I can't do that? It's like, oh, well, you're not Catholic. He's like, well, I've been doing it for the past six years. Like, why is it different now. And it was hard for me to explain. And I really came off extremely uncharitable to him. And I'll actually continue to speak about that whenever I talk about this domestic church retreat. But um, because of it, I was really nervous going to this retreat because I knew that there was going to be daily mass and there was going to be daily adoration. And it was going to be mass with only like 19 people. And when I got there and all the almost all the women are wearing veils and you receive the Eucharist on your knees as a couple, and two very important things about the Eucharist is if you're going to receive, well, three, if you're going to receive the Eucharist, you need to one, be free of mortal sin. So the sins that you willingly like flip the bird at God, the sins that you don't accidentally do something, you know, you accidentally walked out of Walmart and didn't scan an item and you turn around and go back and end up paying for the item. Like not those sins, the sins where you're like, you know what, God, I know stealing is wrong and I'm still going to shove this jewelry in my pocket and walk out the door. Those are the sins that flat out stop you from receiving graces from God not because of God. He wants to pour them out, but we've put those walls up. So you shouldn't receive the Eucharist if you're in a state of mortal sin. You also shouldn't receive the Eucharist if you're not in communion with the Catholic Church. And that's something that I came to believe is if you don't believe everything that we believe, why would you commune? You know, like, because it's basically sealing a promise with the church that you believe everything that the church teaches. And if you don't, then why would you want to commune with that? You know, but then the last one is that you need to truly believe 
that that is the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. And so the issue I was having with my husband was, but if you don't want to become Catholic because you have um, whatever's holding you back, why would you want to receive communion? But he believes in the true presence, so he says, well, why wouldn't I want to receive Jesus fully? So it's not to mention it was this whole, like, all of a sudden he comes back from deployment, I'm wearing a veil and I'm saying, you know, you can't receive, which is like, who am I to say that? You know what I mean? Anyways, so I was really nervous because we are like on our knees as couples receiving the Eucharist. And I'm just thinking like, I was jealous, not in an in a, I wished poorly of other people, but I was jealous of these other couples because they had unity in their spiritual life like that. And I think what really came to the forefront at this domestic church retreat was that my spiritual path has been my spiritual path. And we have not been making an effort as a couple to have a joint spiritual path to grow spiritually together. So anyways, I honestly didn't know what to expect at this retreat. Our friends are like, it's awesome. You should go. It's great. And I, I didn't know what to expect. So we show up there and there's some talks, but it was really laid back. It was like sitting and chatting with friends. And there was this awesome priest there and he's leading these talks on like first they started talking about Adam and Eve you know and God's view for marriage like what for his view for marriage and sexuality and what it was meant to be it was meant to be unifying it was meant to not have any pride in it it was meant to be honoring and of service to each other and to God it was meant to be submissive not dominating submissive but submissive because you submit to God's will and you're submitting to the good of the other person and so if you're submitting to the good of the other person nothing bad can come of it for you if you're submitting to somebody else's sinful demands that's not healthy submission and so talking about all these things but then we began talking about the things that divide marriage and divide that unity and how the evil one, the devil, Satan, whatever, will do whatever he can to ruin family because with no family, Christianity will not continue. It will not grow and evolve without this domestic church. You can't expect other people to raise your kids to know God. You can't expect to sanctify each other in your marriage if you're keeping your spirituality private. You can't evangelize to other people if your spirituality is is kept private. And that was something that really resonated with me because I love to evangelize and I love to tell my kids and I love, you know, to talk about it with my husband, but there was no spiritual growth as a couple. I was praying a rosary and all these things daily and blah blah blah, but as a couple we weren't doing anything. We weren't we weren't praying, we weren't reading the Bible, anything like that. So basically they tell you like how the devil attacks marriage and the sanctity of life and all these things. And the talks were amazing. But then they go into the response of the devil trying to attack that and what people on this earth, humans, through the graces of God, have started. And it's this uh, domestic church. So basically the history of this domestic church is it was started in Poland and there was this priest, Father Blatt. Um, it's like Father Blatt Nietzsche or something. It's Polish. I don't know how to say it. Look it up. I'll put a, a link in the show notes. But so this guy was in Auschwitz and he was there around the same time as St. Maximilian Kolbe. And St. Max Kolbe, if you know anything about the saint of Auschwitz, is he gave his life for a man. The man was saying something to the effect of, I have a family and children, you know, please don't kill me, blah, blah, blah. And by some grace of God, the soldiers working in that concentration camp pardoned him 
because Max Colby stood up and said, I give my life for this man's. So Max Colby was sent into a starvation chamber for, I think it was over a week. And he spent the entire time ministering to everybody else in this starvation chamber. As they're all dying, he's ministering sacraments and spreading God's love and mercy and forgiveness and peace and hope to these people in this starvation chamber as they're all dying around him. He ends up not dying. Like he's not complaining, he's suffering quietly, and he's not dying. So they eventually take him out and kill him by lethal injection because he wouldn't die. And on the anniversary of his death, the one-year anniversary of his death, and I'm sure, you know, Max Colby's story is going around Auschwitz. There is this man who has made this bargain with God. You know, God, please, if I get out of here, if I could just get out of here, I will devote my life to you. You know, and he wasn't living a pure life. He wasn't living a, a holy life. And he, you know, was doing the bargain thing with God, like we all do whenever we're in dire circumstances. You know, God, if you do this for me, I'll do this. And he probably didn't think he was getting out, honestly. But on the anniversary, the one year anniversary of Max Colby's death, of his, um, of Max Colby's death, this man is pardoned for his, whatever his, you know, things up against him were. And and he still was, you know, God, I'll devote my life to you. But he didn't think he was going to make it out of the concentration camp. And then shortly after, Allied soldiers come in and they, they you know, they free the concentration camps. And this Yosef uh, Blotnitsky, he is freed. And so now he's like, I have to devote my life to God. So he marches into some seminary and ends up going to seminary and becoming a priest. And he started seeing this need in Poland for these young men who were now fatherless. They had no fathers because either they died in concentration camps or they died as other results of the war. And there was this young fatherless nation and they're growing up without a father figure. And at the domestic church retreat, they brought a very staggering statistic up and I will say a bunch of people use this statistic in different talks and they all use different numbers. I did look it up. I can't tell you the exact numbers. I looked it up and found the results of this Pew survey. But basically the results of the survey were if the mom is practicing her faith openly at home, what is the likelihood that the children will grow up and be practicing Catholics or just practicing Christians in general? And it was pretty low. But if the father is the spiritual lead in the family, then it was something upwards of 90% of children will continue to live their faith. And there is an extreme importance of the father being the spiritual lead in the house. And that is something in my family that is not that way. I am the spiritual lead and we are trying so hard to reverse that. But because of my Catholic faith, I believe it's my way or the highway. And I can't compromise what I know when you know the truth. That was something that was very hard for us. My husband realizing that he cannot take a back seat in the spirituality of our family because, I mean, Jesus saves, but our children following Christ is there. It's on my husband's back. Basically, Father Blot was seeing the, this fatherless generation come up and thinking, okay, no, I they need father figures to teach them how to be men and to teach them how to follow Jesus. So he created this light life movement, which was this movement, think Boy Scouts, think Catholic Boy Scouts. So it's like raising these guys to be honorable Catholic men in the realm of Christianity, uh, Catholicism, and, you know, 
deep spiritual life. Great. Light life movement. That's wonderful. So they raise up, you know, for the next 20 years, this generation of men with this light life movement. But then they start seeing another need is these men have now grown up. They have gotten married. They aren't in the light life movement anymore because they're grown men. Now what? Now what do we do for these families? And that's where Domestic Church was born. It was basically this program where you go on an evangelization retreat, you get these tools to use in your marriage, you take them home, and you create an atmosphere of a domestic church in your home. And you have monthly meetings with a priest and your other circle members. So a circle consists of four to six other couples. So five to seven couples total. The reason being if somebody can't come, you don't want a really small group that conversation can't really get flowing. And then you also don't want a really big group where conversation individualism can't happen. It's a confidential place where you go with your group to spiritually help each other, to say, we're really struggling with this in our spirituality or this in our marriage or this with our kids and other people who have walked before you or who have experienced something like you can give you guidance and experience as well as having the priest there as the authority of the church that if anybody starts saying something that is against traditional Catholic teaching, he can say, well, that's not true or you should practice this because this is in line with teachings. So it was this whole thing that you go home and you put these seven promises into practice in your family. And then every month at these meetings, you have a small light meal and you come together in this meeting and you have to look at your other people and say, we have succeeded at these promises. We have failed at these promises. We're struggling with this. And it's just like going to confession, going to an AA meeting to stand up and admit your faults or even to know that you're going to be held accountable for those things. When you know you're going to have to stand up and tell everybody that you're sucking at whatever promise, it makes you work a little bit more at that. Like there's that subconscious thing that's like, oh yeah, we should be doing this promise or that promise. So the promises of the domestic church are, and I'm going to have a whole other episode about these, but the promises basically are, one is daily Bible reading, daily individual Bible reading. Number two is daily individual prayer. Number three is daily couples prayer. And number four is daily family prayer. Okay. Number five is couples dialogue once a month, which is extremely important and it's basically a how are we doing meeting you go over everybody in your family your husband you your kids everything how are we doing mentally physically emotionally spiritually intellectually for every single person these meetings last like an hour and a half to three hours because you're bringing up things but you bring them up in a prayerful you start with prayer you it's a meeting that you've made notes you're coming into it and so you're not coming in heated you're coming in with solution you know, in the mind. So that was number five. Number six is a rule of life. And that is basically when you have these meetings and you come up with some sort of solution to your life. And a solution could be something like, we're not going to have phones or electronics out after 6 p.m. in our family because at our couple's dialogue, we really realized that we were not spending enough face-to-face time with each other, something like that. It could be something like, we're going to say rosary every night as a family. We are going to commit to, you know, one holy hour a week. We're going to commit to confession every Saturday, to daily mass, whatever that rule may be. And you make it for your family. And it's all meant to deepen your spiritual life, your relationships with each other. Then the last one is to go on a couple or family's spiritual retreat once a year, at least once a year. 
And all these seven promises, you go to these meetings once a month and there's formation along with it. So you're continuing your education in theology and the church and Christ so that you don't stay stagnant in your faith. And it's based on this curriculum they developed in Poland that has years and years and years of formation that goes deeper and deeper and deeper every year. And so you want to stay with the same circle group, you know, forever because you're going to be going on this deepening faith journey with each other. And the tools and the things they had us practice at this domestic church retreat were amazing because in 2012, domestic church was brought to America. So from like the 60s or 70s, until 2012, this was hidden in Poland, this gem of marital tools. And this guy went over to Poland and his cab driver happened to have a rosary in his car. And it, his cab driver ended up being the person he was staying with for some talk he was doing. And he kept seeing in their family, there was something about this dynamic of their family. What is this? And he didn't speak any, <laughs> he didn't speak any Polish and the Polish people didn't speak any English, except for the wife spe- spoke a little bit. And he kept being like, what is, like, there's something mm-hmm. wonderful about your family. What is it? Sorry, that was my phone. And so he ends up bringing domestic church over here. And it was, he brought it over because he wanted it for his family. And it started in Lake Charles, Louisiana, in the Diocese of Lake Charles. And it has since grown to all of Louisiana. It's, there's circles all over the place. There's retreats all over the place. There's ones in New York. So you can go to domesticchurchfamilies.com. Let me look it up, actually, make sure I'm doing the right link. Okay, so domestic church families. And you can click on retreats. Retreats are going to pull up where there are these evangelization retreats. They also have family oasis retreats. And it's all just meant on deepening your relationship with God, but as a couple, as a family. And it's, it's simply amazing. So if I could recommend to anybody, we've got, there's some in uh, Louisiana, Kansas City, Silver Lake, New York, Pineville, Louisiana, Marathon City, uh, Wisconsin. And that's just going into the beginning of 2020. So you can look up these evangelization retreats. And this retreat was not easy. I will tell you, like we had to sit down with each other at one point and we had to pray and we were sitting in the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist and we had to sit there and pray and then ask each other for forgiveness and for things that we've done that have hurt the other person that we know that we've hurt. And so I you know, asked for forgiveness for not being a great steward of our finances. And that was hard to admit to his face that I know that I haven't been especially responsible. And then we also had to bring things up that we have not forgiven them for, for them hurting us. And the thing my husband brought up was when he got back from deployment and I basically looked at him and said, you can't receive Jesus in the Eucharist because you're not Catholic. And that has stuck with him for three years that he has felt hurt and pain from that. And so we were able to forgive and ask for God's graces and it was beautiful, but it was hard. There were tears and there were struggling And it is something that like I never would take back. Like it was amazing, but it doesn't mean that it was easy to do, but it was so fruitful. We were taught how to sit quietly and listen to God. We were taught how to pray as a couple. And it's funny because you think like, how do you pray with your husband? Literally, you just sit as a fly on the wall and listen to them talk with God. It's like spiritual intimacy. You're listening to your spouse with their creator and there is something spiritually deepening together about that and then they teach you how to couples dialogue 
you know, how to open with prayer, all these things. They talk about what a circle meeting would be like. And then at the end, you can say like, yes, we're interested in being in a circle or no, we're not. And at the end, we actually said, no, we weren't, which really upset me because I wanted to be in a domestic church circle. I thought this is fruitful, this is amazing. And my husband felt like he would be a black sheep and he felt he was gonna be attacked for not being Catholic. He actually went without me knowing to go speak to the priest and said, would I be allowed because I'm not Catholic? And the priest told him it would be up to the circle priest to see if they wanted to allow you. And just that turned him off enough that he, I could see his heart was a little shut off from then on out. And that broke my heart because this priest is the lead priest for the entire United States for this domestic church movement. So my husband felt like he really had authority. And I talked to the people in our diocese and they're like, no, we have Protestant spouses in domestic church in multiple circles in our area. And he's still a little closed off to it. So pray for that. But regardless, the tools we were given at this domestic church retreat were simply phenomenal. And I cannot express it enough. Like spend the money on your marriage, go to one of these retreats, be able to look. I mean, we had so much downtime that we were able to just like goof off and be friends and look at each other and giggle and flirt and take a walk in the woods and love each other and that's something we don't get to do with such little kids so it was so fruitful and amazing to be able to do that in our marriage in our life it was awesome so that's my spiel the next time I talk about domestic church I don't know if it's gonna be right away but the next episode I'm gonna talk specifically about those seven promises and why they're amazing and kind of the tools we were given because I did feel like it was kept so secretive like it was like you have to go on an evangelization retreat to learn this these things but they're not rocket science they are tools everybody should be given when you're in the sanctity of marriage like somebody needs to pass these tools on to young married couples because like duh these are things that are gonna I don't want to completely say divorce proof a marriage but could really help any future struggle you're gonna have because there's complete open raw communication there is forgiveness there is spiritual intimacy there is checking up on everything and it's This is needed in America, in our culture of, I'm not happy, I want out. Instead of, why are we not happy? How can we make each other holy in this? How can God use us in this and grow us spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, intellectually with each other? So that's what I'm going to talk about in probably the next episode, whenever I get to it. But go ahead, be awesome, leave ratings, reviews, head over to uh, YouTube and subscribe to my channel. I'm almost at 100 subscribers and hit me up on Instagram. Let me know if you're part of Domestic Church, how it's changed your family. If there's if there's anybody out there that wants to attend a retreat but doesn't know where to find one, like reach out to me, Holy Hot Mess Mom on Instagram, and I will definitely help you, help you find a retreat or give you any advice towards Domestic Church because the stuff is This episode is over, but there's lots more content for you to check out on my website. Head over to holyhotmessmom.com for all sorts of downloads, posts, and ridiculous stories, as well as the show notes for today's episode. Don't forget to find me on Instagram and Facebook at holyhotmessmom, as well as in our exclusive mama Facebook group by searching Holy Hot Mess Mamas. That's Holy Hot Mess, M-A-M-A-S, so we can connect, share, encourage, uplift, laugh, and be virtual best friends. Do you have a topic or something you want to hear about on the show? Shoot me an email at podcast at holyhotmessmom.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions. 
If you liked this episode, would you do me a huge favor and head over to your podcast app and give us a rating and review so that more ladies can find our podcast. The more great reviews we have, the wider we reach with our support, tips, laughs, and encouragement. I would really appreciate it. Until next time.